Welcome to Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach with Mark Gellard and Candy Reid. The fourth and final major is about to begin. Hello and a warm welcome to Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach with me, Candy Reid. It's the eve of the US Open. We're in New York, ready to get started. And Mark Gellard and I discuss everything we hope you'd like to know. Like, does he still get nervous? What are the hopes and expectations of Team Magda Lynette? And what do the players in general think about the ball that's being used? We'll bash all these subjects and many others around over the next half hour or so. So please sit back, relax and enjoy this latest edition of Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach. Mark Gellard, we are finally sitting face to face. We're at the US Open, Flushing Meadows, New York. It's the Sunday before the tournament begins and it's a very exciting vibe, isn't it? Always in New York. Hey, Candy, and uh, <laughs> thanks for coming here. It's nice to see you in person for a change rather than looking through my computer. Uh, but it's nice to be here in New York. Obviously, it's a, a energetic, maybe slightly chaotic tournament here with all the things that are going on. But they do a really nice job at this event, like uh, with the kids' day yesterday. There was a lot of energy here, and it's uh, a real nice opportunity for them to promote tennis. So it's, it's a great event. Yeah, we just had a meeting with Stacey Allister, who's the head of uh, the US Open, head of the USTA. And they were saying how successful that opening the first week up, that's the first week before the tournament begins, so qualifying, to uh, everybody, it's a free ticket, and how many fans and kids they had in. And it's a really extraordinary moment, I think, for tennis and a, a chance for those who've never perhaps played the game to get going, maybe. I think it's uh, something that all the other tournaments could learn mm. from, to be honest, because I think it's disappointing for me a lot of the WTA events that they're still charging a lot for qualifying matches whereas here it's free yep. and then they have the kids day Saturday and it's open to the public again here on Sunday so it's such a great event uh, an opportunity for people to come and see the players close up I mean when I if I was a fan I'd prefer coming out to these qualifying matches and uh, and the practice there because it gives you a really good opportunity to see the, the matches close up but um, they really do a great job here and I hope that the other events I think that you know most of the WTA events, anyone under 12 or 14 should be getting in for free and helping mm. build some player fan bases. Yeah, it's really great. I've spent the whole day here. We had a couple of hours for meetings. I know you were on court with Ian Hughes and Magda Lynette. But I've spent the whole day just front row, essentially, watching players, watching their practice, watching which coaches they're working with because we know about the coaching carousel. And it's been a, a fabulous start. So I think it's really great, isn't it, for people to come out. Before the tournaments began, we're seeing lots of kids walking around with free rackets given to them by Wilson and all kinds of uh, restaurants and bars going on. It's quite a nice vibe. Yeah, it really is. I was actually talking with a friend of mine this morning about how, how well Wilson do here giving out the rackets. I don't know exactly how many, but it's thousands of rackets yep. given out to kids uh, on the Saturday before, and they have some famous singers out here and celebrities. So it's it's a really interesting uh, way that they showcase tennis in New York, and I, I think the other events can really take a, a leaf out of their book. Now, the weather's beautiful. It's absolutely perfect, really, for some tennis. Let's hope it continues. Um, Magda, your player is about to start this Monday. First day, do you prefer that, or would you like her to begin on Tuesday? I think I've had it both ways. I think in this moment we're ready to play Monday or Tuesday. It doesn't matter although having the extra day sometimes can be beneficial it means one more practice but I think um, you know sometimes I've wished for a Monday start got 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 the Monday start and lost and sometimes <laughs> I've wished for the Tuesday and got it and lost so I think we're ready to go doesn't matter okay. for us and Alexander Sashnovich is your opponent who Magda has played before but not for a while uh, good player perhaps not at her very best what uh, difficulties does she 
pose for you? Well, she's a really, I mean, I, I believe similar age to Magda, maybe a couple yes. years younger, but um, they've known each other a long time, played each other six, seven times. So um, it's going to be a, a tough match. It's going to be a battle. She's She had a decent week in Cleveland last week. We know her game. <coughs> Sorry, she knows ours. So I think we're going to be... We're gonna, I've told Magda she's got to be ready for a fight tomorrow. There's no easy way to win that match. It's just going to be a matter of, uh, you know, in, for, in, in sort of enforcing your will upon her and convincing her to as, as early as we can in the match that it's going to be too difficult for her to win. Do you look ahead in the draw? Because when I look at the draw, to me, every match is scary. I wouldn't want to play any of these people because they're all so good. There aren't really any easy draws, even gets qualifiers or lucky losers. I mean, they're highly tuned, aren't they? So do you tend to sort of cast your eye across the draw or you just leave it at round one? I, I know Ian will look forwards mm. at the draw. I never do. Mm. I have no idea what's going on the next round because for me, every match could be your first and last. So I, I'm not worried about who might come in the second round because, you know, you start looking down the draw and you say, well, I'd have to play this girl in the third round, but you got to win two matches and she's got to win two matches, which that's four matches have to go your way. Yeah. And I know one thing in women's tennis or in any sport, but I couldn't, I think if I had to predict the outcome of four matches, I'd be happy with 50% right. So, um, yeah, it's so hard to predict. So, no, I don't look ahead. Magda doesn't look ahead. She knows just her opponent tomorrow, and that's all that we can do right now is, is beat her. How do you uh, do with the nerves at this point with the matches just ahead? How does she do with the nerves? Because I know I'd be a, a, just a, a big stress ball at this point. I think she deals with it better than I do. Mm. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I, I struggle with it uh, maybe more as I've gotten older, actually. But she... She's quite good now. I mean, she's probably played 50, 60 slams, you know, through the qualies and through main. So um, she's used to the, the nerves, and, but so is Sastovic. She's obviously experienced veteran now probably as well. So I think both the girls will be nervous tonight going to bed. But, um, you know, I think the worst part is always that, that tomorrow morning, the warm-up, the, the journey in the car here. You do your warm-up on court, you, you, you come off and you eat, and then it's that kind of waiting for those two matches in front of mm -hmm. us to finish so we can get on. Once they get on 10, 15 minutes, it's nervy, and then I think then they settle in and start playing. So, I actually spoke to Sam Stoza, who's doing commentary with us for the first time. I interviewed her when she won uh, the US Open. We compared biceps, and unfortunately, she you, won. You're not winning that very and, often uh, against her. Definitely losing that one. I don't think anyone, even, no, not even you, no beats Sam Stoza. But I asked her if she missed the adrenaline, the com competition, and she said yes. And then I asked her if she missed the part right before you go on for a match, and she said no. That, to me, is the worst part. Do you agree? Absolutely. I, I, I saw an interesting interview recently with Federer talking and, and they asked him you know how, how, do you miss it and he said actually no I don't miss the encore competing and fighting mm. because it takes so much out of a person mentally and emotionally um, and it's it's not a fun feeling winning is nice getting the match over with yeah. playing well and winning you enjoy that you enjoy all those things but the stress that comes with the matches and especially I think the first round of any Grand Slam is probably the highest level of stress the whole mm. year I, I think every but but and you can see if you walk around the practice courts these last day or two you can feel everyone's on edge coaches are on edge players are on edge rackets are being thrown <laughs> it's a lot of stress out there and a little bit of panic so I think what we always try to preach to Magda is we just want to panic less than the opponent <laughs> that sounds a, a good epitaph for life I might have that on my gravestone <laughs> panic less yes. than everybody else <laughs> Um, we promised our listeners that we talk about the US Open ball because this has been a, an area of contention. Last year, the women were playing with different balls than the men. This year, it's the same. 
how do you feel about that overall? And just describe to everybody the difference between the two balls, if you would. Well, to, to begin, I would, I would say I'm not happy with the change. Um, but before I go to that, let me go back and say, as a preface, that the, the, the Wilson US Open balls come in two kinds, the regular duty and the extra duty. It was always that the regular duty had Wilson written in red mm-hmm. and the, the, the extra duty, which were the men's balls, they were considered the men's balls, were, had it written in black. And they are the exact same weight, okay. size, there is no difference. What is different is that the felt, how tight the felt around the rubber ball is woven affects the playability of the ball. The men's ones are wound tighter, so the ball becomes fluffy and it, it has the I would say the feeling or the appearance of being heavier. Mm. It's not heavier, but it creates more uh, friction through the air so that you have to put in a lot more work to get the ball to go as quickly. I don't like the change because I felt that one, it was done unnecessary. There was nothing wrong with us using the, the regular duty ball. There was no issues with that. Two, I don't think that it was right because I felt it was a small minority of players that requested it the change and those players were all physically superior I would say big girls strong girls that can benefit with that because they can take a big swing at the Mm. ball and they're not going to lose control like they might do with a regular juicy ball whereas other players I would say the majority of the other players would say you know even Ons I saw was outspoken about this said no I don't like the change and I also don't like that they've done this last minute during the season right before these events there's no opportunity in the off season to check how you feel with this what do we need to change our racket weight do we need to change our swing tension and i want to make sure that they keep tracking elbow injury uh you know elbows wrists shoulders yeah but but even you know it could even be a back muscle now because you're, you're going to start compensating in different ways if you're trying to create more torque and ten, uh, you know tension so uh, not a big fan of the change would you say it favours someone like Coco Goff, who we've obviously seen has had an amazing US Open series, winning two of the tournaments? Yes, I think. Obviously, you'd say, well, the physically gifted players should be the one, should be the ones winning anyway. But there's many different components to being physically gifted. Some people can be very fast, but that's not going to help you with this ball as mm. much. Whereas being very strong, you know. And so I know that, for example, you know, there was players like Eager like uh, Jessica Pagula, um, uh, Bedosa was kind of heavy, uh, sort of, uh, you know, they were in favor of the change. Um, and obviously Jessica's doing great, happy for her. She's, and this is not to say she wouldn't do this with a regular ball because she's been doing this for a few years anyway. So um, I, it's nothing about that, but I just think that this was something that needed to have more time to be put in place and they needed to go to every single player in the top 100 yep. and make sure that they got a fair survey because I don't know one player that said they like this ball. Mm, interesting. So uh, we'll talk more about that. We are hoping to get Ellie Elliott um, on the podcast. He's the coach of Lauren Davis, and we'll talk to him perhaps about uh, the US Open chances. What do you think, though, about a US woman winning the women's tournament here in 2023? I think they have so many good players right now. Coco obviously looks mm. great after her run in Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, like we just said, Jessica Pagula is always a favor everywhere she plays now, I would think. I don't think there's... I, w- I would like to see the statistics on how consistent she oh, is. I don't ever ridiculous. remember... I think she lost early this year in Rome. Once. She lost first round in Rome. One I tournament. Because I, I did the stats the other day, yeah. Yeah, and I remember saying to Magda, you know, I think that might be the first time in the last two or three years I can remember her losing first round. She's so yeah. consistent. And obviously, she, she's 
three in the world now? Four, no, three, maybe she's number three. She like took that. over Rebecca. Right, so it's incredible how good she is. So I think they have some really good players. Yeah. Um, they've got a lot, of, a lot of potential here. Obviously, Jennifer Brady's a great player. She's back. And then you've always got girls like Danielle Collins who can't be written <laughs> off. She's a finalist from Australia. So, yeah, a lot of talent. What is the feeling in the locker room? Is there kind of a buzz going around about anyone particular? I think um, I think everyone knows that Coco's playing well right now. Obviously, after her, she started collaborating with Brad. I think Brad he's eleven Gilbert, and zero. BG. He's eleven and zero. Yeah, he's he's brought his magic wand in. Um, Are you surprised about that? How quickly it's come about? You know, I have my thoughts on on that. Is that obviously he's a good coach and he's doing some good things. I also sometimes think that people praise the new coach and say how well they're they're doing with her when sometimes it can also just be how bad a job the person before was doing. <laughs> I, I just think that there's two sides to yeah. that coin because um, I think as well, I'd like to see if it continues long-term. It's I kind don't, of the Dimitri Tursunov effect a bit. It, yes, I think that there's always that honeymoon period with a new, and she's obviously such a talented player, so uh, you've got a lot to work with. I'd like to see, and, I, and, and again, I'm not sure, I don't even know who Coco was working with before this, to be honest with you, because I know Diego Moyano did That's a really right. good job with there her. There was a bit of a gap, though. There wasn't was a gap, and I think Moyano that that left. was the bad thing that she had around. There was no structure there, maybe, and now she's brought in a team, and it seems to be working, but I think, um, yeah, I, it's, she's, she's, I th I'd like to see it continue, because I think uh, once that honeymoon effect wears off, that's where you're going to get down to the nuts and bolts in the off-season and see you know, what they, changes they can make and how, if they can continue the improvement. It feels to me like the Hologic WTA Tour have put a lot of uh, sort of their branding really on Coco Goff and her success. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, and I think it's, she's, it's rightly deserved. I mean, she's a good player. She's very well-spoken, very mature for her age. Um, you know, and I think that that's what they've got to focus on. I'm a little bit more in favor of that, if I'm honest, than, than sort of the, the, the older players that are getting mm -hmm. this redemption tours you know whether it's venus or caroline wozniacki or um some of the others that have coming back svitolina obviously i'm not taking anything away from them but i think we've got to focus on what the future of the game is um mm. and move on with the times now and i think girls like coco mira andreva for example you know you have american girls uh, ashton kruger these yep. kinds of players they're the future of the game and I think that's where the focus needs to be. I actually looked at the stats and there were multiple under 20 and multiple over 30. Of course, Magda, your player falls into that category. So it seems like there's a big breadth in the age, doesn't there now? It's nice for tennis, I think, to mm -hmm. have both ends of the spectrum doing well. And I think it shows now the longevity uh, that the players are having. And I think now with the changes that are going to be made in the circuit structure next year, I think it will actually increase the durability and the longevity of the players because the way it's going to be set up be slightly less demanding, more breaks between tournaments. Um, so I think it's it's a good sign for tennis players. Um, one of the talking points that came up in media day was all about the WGA Tour finale, the top eight get there. In last year, it was a bit late, wasn't it? It went to Dallas, Fort Worth, and the turnout fan-wise wasn't great. At that point, Iga said she was told at the beginning of 2023, they would know exactly where the location of the tour finale was going to be. That is not the case right now. We believe next week or even this week coming that we'll find out a little bit more. But there's been some rumours it's going to be Saudi Arabia. Any thoughts on that? Yes. So from what I understand, and I, I, you correct me if I'm wrong on this, it was supposed to be in Shenzhen yes. in China. And they have pulled out last minute for economic reasons, is what we were told. So now they're obviously in a bit of a tight spot here trying to find a new location with 
Saudi Arabia being one of the potential places that are going to host the event. I think uh, it's an interesting situation right now because obviously they have the money. Mm. And if we're talking about wanting equal, equal prize money for men and women, well, that goes a big way to helping that because that's, you know, a big... Um, and then you get into the whole, well, is it sport washing? Is it the human rights things there? I think that stuff gets so complicated and I don't, I don't think there's really any country that's completely clean. So I <laughs> no. think it's just a spectrum of how bad or how far along that spectrum you are. Uh, you know, there's no... Um, no innocent country, but I think, I know, I mean, if, if, it, if Saudi had it there, I can guarantee you they would run a great event because they always do those countries, Dubai, mm. Doha, yeah. those Arab countries, they do a great job. I think the frustrating thing for the tour is that's your showcase event with the best eight in the world. And you're, what, two months away from that happening and you can't start your marketing advertising campaign because you don't know where it is mm. you can't start selling tickets right. tv rights or getting sponsors in and things like that so it's not an ideal situation for them yeah i agree and i personally i don't know how you feel but i feel like the move to saudi arabia is inevitable money talks in the end and i also think that women playing in saudi arabia actually is a lovely thing for the women and the girls of saudi arabia to see so i think it's actually quite a progressive move as opposed to one which we're sort of saying, oh, well, there's a lot of X, Y, and Z going on and, and we shouldn't really be endorsing that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's so complicated because we're complaining about their, their human rights, the women's rights there. But like you said, going in there with top female athletes will be great for the country. Mm. And they have promised they're going to improve things. Uh, but then it gets so political because we're sort of asking them to change their culture and their right. way of life. And I don't know if that's our job, I think... Um, it gets really, really tricky. But I think, for me, I w I'm completely in favor of, of going to to Saudi Arabia. I don't think, you know, if you look at England's, even in the last 15 years, what we've done in some countries, I don't think we're <laughs> innocent of some, some bad things that we've done. So should, should we play Wimbledon? Should America have all the tournaments they have with the things they've done? And so it's there's a lot of discussion on that but for me it's a it's a it's a it's not it's a no-win situation for the wta right now because whatever yeah. they do they're going to be criticized for and that's yeah. why i think that the ceo here steve simon is doing his his best and what you know that's why he's paid the money he's paid to to, to make the decision that's best for everyone and he's not going to keep everyone happy if you had to guess where do you think it would be prague us saudi arabia at this point i would probably expect saudi gets yeah. it i i do okay. think um i know that there was I'd heard there was talk of Washington, D.C. even being an option. Um, but I, I think Saudi would be, uh, I think they're going to, they always make a convincing bid. Mm. And I'm, if they are listening, I hope that they would leave Mo Salah alone for my team. Because I, I'm a Liverpool fan and I don't want him going to uh, Saudi. Leave Mo him, Salah, leave him. do not leave Liverpool. <laughs> leave Mark him and there. I are demanding it. Leave him there. Although we did have a very good win a couple of hours ago. I don't know if you saw that. 2-1. 2-1 with 10 men, so I was very happy with that. <laughs> That's the most important thing. Um, back to tennis. We are, as uh, we said, hoping to get uh, Eddie Elliott, coach of Lauren Davis. So we'll do uh, a three-way chat with him as soon as we can. Uh, Mark, we'll leave it there. And um, we actually, before we do, I need to ask you a listener question. This is from Beverly. Yep. And her question to you is, how do they decide which player goes on court first when they make the announcements? I knew, I knew you were going to ask me something like that, <laughs> and it was going to be one that I should know. I because I've catch you out at the last well, you, second. You have, because Magda, I have asked her that before. I believe that it's determined somewhat by TV, 
Yes, yeah. and ranking, I think. And ranking. That was the main one she said to mm. me, was the ranking. So usually the number one, the, the higher ranked player comes on Last second. Second. Yes. Yeah. Now, so, and I, but I think there are circumstances where if it's a US player, they may came on, come on second, even though they might be ranked worse than the player they're playing. Yes, and I, I, one other part to that, that, I have a question that you might know is, which bench do you choose? And I think it's personal choice for the player I to choose so. which side of the umpire's chair they and sit. And that is a very, I remember when I was playing, very superstitious thing. If you've won on that bench, you go back to that bench. If you've lost sitting on that bench, you're not going anywhere near it if you have a choice. <laughs> exactly. That's right. And you, you need to get someone on here that knows some stuff because I'm useless <laughs> at this, this general trivia knowledge well you do the hard job you actually coach the players yeah i gotta get i gotta brush up on my skills on the <laughs> rules though well we will do this again mark it's lovely uh, actually chatting to you face to face and uh, thanks very much for your time and good luck tomorrow thanks candy thanks everyone for listening enjoy the u.s open and if you'd like to ask mark a question anything at all you can do so on our twitter handle d-o-a-p-t-c we'd love to hear from you see you soon